In our series, Fresh Starts, Next Steps, I've um, been also giving you some fresh stories and fresh texts. I've been trying to preach from some passages that maybe you've never heard before, and I want to continue that in Genesis chapter 11. Uh, Hopefully you've found your way there by now. I'm going to start in verse 27. It says, this is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran was the father of Lot, but Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped in Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. He never got to where he intended because something stopped him along the way. He got held up in Haran, which was the halfway point between Ur and Canaan. And I want to use this text today to talk to you about what happens at the midpoint of making it, at the midpoint of making it. That's the title of this message today, if you're taking notes. And all my favorite people who go to church here take notes, so just throw that out there. But uh, it's always my custom to pray. I know I need God's help whenever I get into his word, and I would just ask you to bow your head with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you that your word brings help, brings truth, brings light. It speaks to us, God, every time we open it. So, God, I ask that this message and this text would speak to us. God, you do the speaking. Speak through me. Let it be your words, not my ideas, opinions, but your word that goes forth. Meet people where they're at, God. I thank you that you will. You always do. Everybody who agrees with that can say amen. How many of you like to travel? Anybody like to travel in here? A lot of you like to travel. What's some of your favorite places to travel? You can just shout them out at me. The beach, Hawaii, it's awesome. Some of you maybe, you don't even, you just like to travel. You just want to go anywhere. Uh, it's kind of funny to me whenever we say that we like to travel or you ask people, do you like to travel? Mostly they'll say yes. But what they really mean is they like arriving. Have you ever noticed that? I don't like travel. I like arriving. In fact, the worst part of travel is the travel. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're like riding in a car, flying in a plane. We got somebody here who works for the railroad telling me they like to ride in trains. What, is this like the Wild West? What is this? You and Wyatt Earp? I didn't know people could still ride in trains. But whatever it is, I don't care what it is, travel the worst part of travel is always the middle. I, uh, I was leaving. I was in a, had a trip. I was in Dallas. I was coming back. I had a layover in Atlanta. And um, my, my layover in Atlanta, I was supposed to catch this flight. And my flight got delayed for like the first hour. Then it got delayed again for like the second hour. Then like the third hour got delayed. By the fourth time, they just canceled the flight. I got stuck in Atlanta And there's nothing worse than being stuck in the middle. You know, if my flight would have been canceled before I left my destination, I could have had another 
another day in Dallas. I could have had another day, you know, doing something. But when you're stuck in the middle, you're just stranded. Nobody likes the middle. There's nothing good about that. Just think about the middle, the middle seat, middle school, middle child. I'm just kidding. Nobody thinks that about the middle child. Nobody even thinks about the middle child. But there's nothing good about the middle is what I'm trying to say. And there's nothing worse than being in the middle of your mission and not making it. That's what happened to Terah. Terah, if you don't know much about Terah, I want to give you some context on Genesis chapter 11 because Terah, it's not a very well-known passage, but it's one of those passages, if you've ever tried to read your Bible through in the year, you've probably read this passage, but you skipped over it because it seems so insignificant. I mean, honestly, this passage, it's only a few verses. It seems like the transition point to something that matters because what comes next is what we're all familiar with. What comes next is the story of Abraham. Most people are familiar with Abraham. If you don't know Abraham, he's, he's not Abraham yet. In this story, he's still Abram. But Abraham is a pretty significant figure in the Bible. Abraham is, is called the father of faith. His name literally means father. God spoke to him, made him a promise, said that he would make him a father of many nations, both physically and spiritually. He had this incredible promise. Abraham is a significant figure, very well known. When, when I grew up in church, we used to sing this song, Father Abraham. You guys know that? Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just, oh, you guys are great. You know it. That's a, if you, did, if you didn't, don't know this song, you didn't grow up in church, so we know you're a sinner. Um, but I think we need to bring that song back, bring that song back in kids' ministry. Uh, but Abraham is a well-known father. His father, though, is not very well-known. That's Terah. Terah is, is the father of Abraham. And what's known about Terah is mostly found in these few verses that we read. We know that Terah had three sons. We know that he was from a place called Ur. And we know that he left Ur to go to Canaan, but he only made it halfway. He got stuck in the midpoint of making it. But within this passage, there's some truths that I want to bring to the surface about why we get stuck, about why we stop, about, about why we get held up at the halfway point. And here's the first one that I want to give you is that we stop short whenever we don't heal from our hurts. Whenever we don't heal from our hurts. Within this, this passage, there's a detail that's, that's pretty easy to miss. I wonder if you caught it. It says that Tara had three sons, but one of his sons died early. Verse 27 says, Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot, but... Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. The reason the Bible points this out to us is because it wants us to know that this was a premature death. That doesn't say how he died, why he died. We don't know. We can assume 
It's likely some kind of accident. Maybe it was a disease. We don't know the details of his death, but what we do know is that this was incredibly, incredibly painful. It's always painful anytime you lose a loved one. But it is multiplied and magnified when a parent has to bury their child. Well, that's what happened. The Bible doesn't say that this was the reason that Tara wanted to escape Ur, or doesn't say that, you know, there was something that happened in Ur that contributed to Haran's death. It doesn't say that. All we know is that Tara decides to leave Ur and head to Canaan for a fresh start, but along the way, something happened. While he's on his way to Canaan, he comes across this city with the exact same name as his dead son. It resurfaces the wound of what he'd lost, this wound that never healed, this wound that he never dealt with. And truthfully, like we use this expression sometimes that time heals all wounds, but time does not heal all wounds. Some of you are nodding your head because you can identify with this. In fact, soul wounds, relational wounds, emotional wounds, many times time only serves to deepen them. And so he's got this wound that he's never dealt with, that he's never healed from. He comes to this city with the same name. And now he's got to confront this issue. Truthfully, I see so many people as a pastor that get stuck because of a wound that is never healed. This is why church is so important. You see, God has created us to heal in the context of community. We need God in our life, but we also need people in our life. In fact, Scripture says this, that you confess your sins to God, it's 1 John 1, 9, to be forgiven, James 5.16 says that you confess to each other to be healed. Pray for each other. God's created us to heal in the context of community. Now, I'm not suggesting that you just find somebody, random person in church, and you share with them your deepest, darkest secret. That's a little weird. I would not suggest that. But can I tell you, there's something powerful when you get in a group. Uh, you've built some trust with people, and you can say, hey, I'm struggling right now, and this is where I'm struggling, and this is what I'm dealing with, and would you pray for me? There's tremendous healing that comes from that. And I wonder if some of you could relate to Tara about a hurt that you haven't healed from. Maybe for some of you, you'd say, I'm defined by that divorce. Maybe you feel like your life is framed by a failure in your past. It could be some kind of pain that has paralyzed you and has kept you from moving forward. You've been held up in Haran. You've gotten stuck from a hurt that you've never healed from. And as long as you carry that hurt, you carry that pain, you carry that wound, you'll do this next one, which is you'll settle for a substitute. We stop short whenever we settle for a substitute. You see, Terah was never supposed to be in Haran. He was supposed to be in Canaan, 
But Terah settled for a substitute. In fact, the Bible says he, he literally settled there. He made the decision, this is where I'm going to live. I'm going to stay here, stay in this dysfunction, stay short of God's best. And this was a substitute on many levels. It was a substitute for where he intended to be, meaning I know this isn't God's best, but it's good enough. I know this isn't my destination, but it's close enough. I, I know this wasn't the plan that I would be here, but I'm here now, so why bother moving on? It was a substitute for his place. It was also a substitute for his pain. Because what he wanted was his son, but he settled for a city. It might not be him, but at least it's got his name. At least I've got his memory. What I want, I don't have. What I want, I can't have. But I'll settle for this instead. See, the temptation to settle for a substitute usually comes at the halfway mark. It usually comes in the midpoint of making it. Because when you're halfway, well, you've come too far to go back to where you were. But when you look at how much you have ahead, you lose the motivation to move forward. And so it's at this halfway point where we settle. I wonder if any of you would say you've settled for a substitute in your life. Where you, you binge entertainment instead of experiencing real fulfillment. Where instead of experiencing real community where you are known, where people care for you, you will settle for a substitute of reels and comments. Where rather than, than working to create real intimacy in your marriage, you'll settle for pornography. Settling for less than God's best. Settle for money instead of purpose. Settle for your preference instead of obedience. Let me take it one more direction. Church online. And listen, I love our church online audience. Speak to you for a minute. I, we are going to continue to invest more in church online because I believe in it. It's awesome. I'm so thankful for the stories that we get, for how God is moving in people's life. And I get there's, there's many of you who watch church online because where you're at, there's not, you're, you're hindered. You don't have access. You're not able to maybe get out. You're not able to get to a church like ours. There's not a church like ours in your area. You, people watch from all over the world. I get it. Thank you for watching. Some of you have, have real health concerns. And I totally get that. That's understandable. I'm thankful that we can still come to you. But if it's not because you're hindered, and if it's not because of your health, then it's probably because of habit. And if it's habit, you're settling for a substitute. You're, you're settling for a substitute where we cannot experience what God wants us to experience. See, here's the problem with a substitute, is that it's filling but not fulfilling. It will fill you up, but it will weigh you down and it will hold you back from getting to where God wants you to go. And it doesn't matter how many different substitutes you try. You can go from new thing to new thing to new thing to new place to new place to new place. As long as you are settling for a substitute, you will do this next one where we go to new places with the same problems. New places, 
same problems. You see, not only did Terah not heal from his hurts, not only did Terah settle for a substitute in his life, Terah also went to a new place with the same problems. And I got to give you a little history lesson to understand this one, because what we know from archaeology is that the city of Ur, in many ways, it's considered the birthplace of civilization. The, the city of Ur was a thriving city. The, the most of all the ancient cities in the world, the city of Ur is, is known for having factories. It's known for having universities. It's known for having industry and commerce and arts and all sorts of business. The city of Ur was a thriving metropolitan city. It was also a very religious city. Very religious city. When I say that, I don't mean that they served the God of the Bible. I mean that they served many gods. In fact, there was a chief god, the chief deity of the city was a moon god. Get this, the name of this moon god, goddess actually, was Sin. Gave a new definition to Sin City. So we don't know why Terah decided to move, but we do know this. We know that at some point God spoke to Abraham and called him to go to Canaan. In fact, uh, in the New Testament, you look this up for yourself. It's in uh, Acts chapter 7, verse 4, when Stephen is giving the gospel message right before he's killed. He's giving the gospel message. He talks about Abraham and says how God spoke to Abraham while he was still in Ur and called him to go to Canaan. So maybe, you know, God speaks to Abraham. Terah decides that I want to go along on this with you. Uh, it's unclear. It's actually, uh, according to Jewish tradition, God first appeared to Terah and called him and spoke to him and gave him the same promise that he gave to Abraham to go to Canaan and become a great nation. But Terah stopped in the process. Regardless, what we can conclude is that the environment in Ur was not conducive to God's purpose. So they headed to Canaan, but got held up in Haran. What's interesting, though, about Haran is that it was not just any ordinary city. I told you that Ur was the hub, the, the central point for this moon goddess sin. You know, in all of the ancient world, there were two cities that were hubs for this moon goddess sin. You want to know what this other one was? You guessed it. Haran. Haran. Of all the places that he could have stopped, of all the places that he could have gone, Terah left behind his home, but he didn't leave behind his habits. Joshua even mentions this when he's speaking to the people of Israel right before they enter the promised land. Joshua is calling the people of Israel to consecrate themselves. He says this in Joshua 24, verse 2. He says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. The implication is that Terah carried his old problems into the new place. And Joshua didn't want the Israelites to repeat the same mistake. And like, if like Terah, you don't first deal with your sin issues, your sin issues, 
You are going to go to a new place, but still deal with the same problems and end up stuck in the middle. The good news is you don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to stay stuck in the middle. You can move forward. Powerful things happen when you just keep moving forward. Progress is progress. I think lots of times we get discouraged at our progress because it's not as fast as we want or it's not as significant as we want or it doesn't feel like we think it should feel like. And so many times what happens when it doesn't feel like we're moving, we just stop moving. And that's the fourth thing I got to tell you is that we stop short whenever we focus on our pace instead of our part. I tell you, you don't have to move fast. You just got to keep moving. You just got to keep moving. You got to take one step after one step after one step. See, I think sometimes we stop in the midpoint of making it because we look at our progress and we look at how long it's taken us to get here. And we think about how far we have to go. And we think, man, I don't know if I've got it in me. I don't know if I've got the endurance. I don't know if I've got the ability. It's taken, I've done the math. I've taken, it's taken me this long to get here. What's going to happen when, I'm, when I get there? See, what's interesting about Terah, there's one thing about him I didn't read. In verse prior, it says that he was 70 years old when he became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. It's pretty old. No offense to 70-year-olds. But it's old, 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 old to have a child. And the Bible doesn't say when he, when he departed to go to Canaan, but let's assume, I mean, let's assume it was 35 years, maybe 40 years. We know that Haran at least had a son named Lot. He was old enough to have a son. So he takes off. We don't know how long it took him to get there, but it was 450 miles from Ur to Haran. Maybe it, maybe it took him a year. Maybe it took him long. I don't know. It took him a long time. So by this point, he's past the century mark. He might be thinking, it's taken me this long to get here. What good is it? How long is it going to take me to get there? And so he just stopped. And you know what's crazy to me? Is the last verse. It says that Terah lived for 205 years. Meaning, he lived as if he was going to die any day. He lived as if he was at the end of his life. And yet, he lived for 205 years. I wish somebody would have told him, Terah, you don't have to move fast. You just have to move forward. You've got lots of time in front of you. If you will just keep moving. You know, many times when we hear the word fast, we think of the word speed. But the, the etymology of the word, the origin of the word, really comes from this idea of strong, secure, close. And I wonder if maybe the reason we feel like we're not moving fast enough is because we're not holding fast enough. We're, we're not staying close. We need to focus less on our pace and more on our proximity. 
that's what I love about this idea of a next step. A next step, because let's face it, not all of us are runners. I'm not a runner. I hate running. I know hate's a strong word, but that's just how I feel. Not all of us, are, all of us move at different paces, but all of us can take a next step. Even if you just move an inch, you can take a next step. And many times, we're, we're so worried on the pace of our path instead of just the, the part of our path that we have to play. If we stay close, we can step forward. That's what I'm trying to say. It was a while back that we took our kids to Disneyland two years ago. And, I mean, I have a lot of opinions on Disneyland. It's different time, different sermon. But Disneyland is chaos. It really is chaos. When you, It's like, you know, the most magical place on earth, but it's also the most chaotic place on earth. And you've got four kids. You're trying to take them around. They want to run in every direction. And I'm not one of those parents that's going to put my kids on a leash. So it's just chaotic. And their idea is there's so much to do, there, there's so much to experience that they want to run ahead, they want to jump in line, they want to get to all these places. But what I'm trying to get is to get them to stay close. Don't get lost, don't wander off. In their mind, they want to maximize the moment by moving as fast as they can. But what they don't realize is that I have a fast pass. So if they'll just stay close, if they'll just hold my hand, we're going to get to do all the things I want to do, and then some. It's going to be way more effective, way more efficient than them focusing on the pace. All I got to do is focus on their part. What's my part? Stay close. Stay close to dad. Stay close to mom. Stay in step. Just walk with me. Man, if you'll just walk with God, if you'll just stay close, stay in step, you'll get to where you want to go. It's not lost on me that this is Velocity Church. Many times we think of velocity, we think of speed, but you know the defining characteristic of velocity is really its direction. It's direction. That's why I want to encourage you to stay close in this season to lean in, stay connected, get in a group, take a next step, go through essentials, join a team, give for the first time, make a decision to give consistently, put God first, make church a habit, stay close in this season. Because if you can just take a step, one step in the right direction, over time, repeated, you'll get past the midpoint and you'll make it.